I am glad that you've chosen to be here today. Once again, whether you're on campus or whether you're online, welcome. And it is our prayer that you be blessed and encouraged. We come together each Sunday and we do experience God's Word. We experience encouragement with one another. And we experience this idea called worship. And that's what we're going to focus in on today is worship. And what I want to begin with is just this question why worship? Not so much what is worship, that's an important question. Is it just a singing or is it all of life? But I want to talk about why worship because it's really easy to think if you, if you just even if you've grown up going to church, maybe you were like I did that your impression of God was that we, we serve this God, but what God did is He created a lot of people and then gave them some instructions and said once a week, I need you to come together and tell me how great I am. A little narcissistic, it seems. But I want to change the view of worship because God gives us worship as an opportunity. It's an invitation. And it's a very specific kind of invitation. Most of the time, if you ask to describe God, and especially in our modern culture here in the West, you say, describe God. What word? We say, God is love. God is great. God is wise. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. All and each one of those things are true. And each one of those things we fully believe in. But if you go through Scripture, and Scripture comes at it from a Near Eastern mindset, more of an ancient mindset, there's a different way that they describe God. And through Scripture, you'll see that God is my rock. God is my fortress. And suddenly it puts a very concrete description. Our way is to use lots of adjectives. But the ancient way is to use nouns and adjectives. And a real strong difference is that Satan, Satan would have no problem to profess that God is love. Satan would have no problem professing that God is powerful. Satan will never profess God is my rock. God is my fortress. And so what worship is, is not simply an opportunity that God's calling us together to say, I need you once a week to gather and tell me how great I am. It's an invitation to for God for us to come into his presence and we be reminded who he is to us. So I want to add a visual image a word picture for it today. And as we go through today's service, I want you to see God is my safe harbor. Because what we are allowed to do and what we're invited to do and we have the opportunity to do in worship is to come together into a safe harbor where for some of us, it's our first chance to catch our breath all week long, isn't it? It's our first release from a burden that we've been carrying. It's our first moment of encouragement. I know there are several that are here, and perhaps you're watching online. You go through a week, and you don't have any interaction with somebody that's positive or encouraging. And yet you get to come to worship, or you get to experience worship, and you're re-energized in a way. You're renewed in a way. I started thinking about some of the most powerful worship experiences I've had in my life. And yes, I've had an opportunity to go to um, 
some incredible churches and some large worship experiences or perhaps at a conference where you know, thousands of people were in one spot and were singing praises. And those have been great, and I'm so grateful for those. But the ones that topped my list as I just started thinking about them, and this is going to seem strange when I say it, but the two or three most powerful worship experiences that I recalled in my life came at funeral services. Because I was in need of worship at that moment. And I was in need of being reminded. And I can tell you the songs that were sung. And I'd hear the song, I Will Rise. And it meant something completely different to me in that moment, in that dark place. And it was a safe harbor. You may not know this, but on Sunday mornings, there's a group that gathers here as we prepare for the worship, and it's everybody that has a volunteer role, and they're serving so great. We meet pretty early, and we come together for a logistics portion of it, but the best part of it is we pray. And then together we sing the benediction, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And I'm just going to tell you that there's many a morning where I am praying and I am trying to be in the right mindset, but I'm just not there yet. And I'm still struggling. I'm struggling with some stresses or anxieties that I have. I'm struggling with some stresses or anxieties that somebody shared with me or where we are as a church. But God uses that moment as worship. And time and time and time again, it's that singing that song together with those fellow followers of Jesus that changes that changes my spirit and my heart and gets me ready for today. So whether you come today with everything going smoothly or like many, many of us, you've come with a burden, you come with an ache, you come with a pain, you come with a bitterness, you come with a wound today. And maybe it's something because of the situation with the economy. And you're stressed out about inflation. Or maybe it's a medical reason. Or maybe you've suffered loss some way, either through the death of a loved one, or perhaps it's the death of a relationship. However you come today, worship is an invitation to a safe harbor. A chance to be reminded that God is your rock. He is your fortress. Jesus is our shepherd. And that's what worship is. So I'm going to ask if you would stand with me today. I'm going to pray over us. And then we're going to experience this worship together. Father, all of Scripture claims of who you are. And not just that you're powerful and that you're loving, but that you are a reality tangible in our life, that you are our rock, that you are our safe harbor, that you are the one that wants to draw us under your wings and care for us. So, Father, I pray. Pray for the one that's here today that is struggling with that. For the person that's here today and their marriage is at odds. For the ones here today, and they're trying to figure out where the career should take them. 
They're trying to figure out how to make the house payment. Father, the one that's struggling with a need to forgive, but just can't seem to get there yet. So, Father, I pray that your spirit would be at work in all these ways and hundreds and thousands of more that I haven't even begun to mention yet. That you would bring us into this safe harbor as we sing, as we listen to your word, as we share in the communion, that it would be a tangible reality to us as you are our rock. Father, we do all of this in the name of Jesus, the one that we praise and the one we pray. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I don't know that I've ever heard Revelations 4 read with actual thunder in the background. But how powerful is that? Give you an idea of what's going on in heaven because that's what Revelation is designed to do. That's why it was written. To pull back the curtain that divides us between here and heaven and show what's going on in the heavenly world. And what you need to understand is Revelation is a letter that was received by people. And when they received it, they were in a difficult situation. They were experiencing oppression and persecution from the powers that be known as Rome. And what this letter of encouragement, even though it seems strange, what it's doing that says, we understand, God understands that your world, the throne may seem like it's all up for grabs in this life down here from this perspective, but let me show you the reality And he says, the throne in heaven, it's secure. It's not up for debate. It's not up for question. It's not up for vote. It's not up for censorship. There is nothing in doubt about it. God and the Lamb, Jesus Christ, are set firmly on it, and nobody is challenging them. That's what worship does. It invites us to pull back and see that, not not that we hope it's that way, but that we're reminded that it is that way. Holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And even though we may be facing, you may be experiencing something right here in this life right now that seems difficult. There is a reminder that comes straight from the throne room of heaven that what's going on there is worship because what's temporary here is eternal there. And it's not in doubt. And as you move through that scene that's in Revelation and you move to the conclusion of the book, it's all about the victory that God's providing. The the victory that is not in doubt. And this is the word of encouragement to people that were experiencing persecution at that very moment. And their future looked in doubt, but their eternity wasn't. And the one that sat on the throne, the one that looked as if he was a lamb that had been slain, is the same one that, if you notice, there's a throne and then there's these concentric circles of people worshiping him. And it's at the center of it. And what Revelation does, it just keeps sort of turning on the lights. And the more times it turns on the lights, the more times you see there's another ring of people worshiping, another ring. And you get this idea. It goes from 
just the throne to now the throne's in the middle of a stadium almost. And the worship is occurring. And that's the reality. That's the safe harbor that John, the one that had this revelation, the one that invites us into this scene, that's the encouragement. That's the pastoral word that he wants to give. So my prayer for you today and our prayer for this is that as you've experienced this worship together, that whatever persecution, struggle, trial, whatever in your world where it seems like the throne is just up for grabs and there's turmoil there, that every time you come into worship, every time you have that opportunity, whether it's collectively or individually, you're re- reminded, you're um, reaffirmed, and you're renewed with that truth that the Lamb, Jesus Christ, the one that laid down his life so that you not be separated from your Heavenly Father, he's on the throne. And all of history and all of the kingdoms and the authorities and the armies that have tried to silence it, have amounted to nothing compared to that. Its best effort has not been able to shake the throne one bit. And there's the the encouragement for us. So I know that our burdens, I know that what you faith, what stresses you out right now, what brings you great anxiety, I know it's real. And I'm not trying to minimize it. But I am trying to put it up next to the throne and maximize it. So then in comparison, you have this real, deep, confident sense of, oh, God's got this. He's got this. And so at the very end here, I'd like us to reinterpret or re-experience that, that throne scene. So if you would, stand with me one more time, please. Let me pray. Father, holy, holy, holy are you. And I pray that you would give us an image, a visual of that safe harbor that is the throne room. And we see Jesus in the middle. And there is no doubt. It's in his name we pray, and now we praise. From Psalm 105. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell all of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. May you be blessed this week as you worship both collectively and individually. And you are reminded each and every time that God is holy and Jesus is on the throne. Grace and peace. Have a great week.